And now... Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Uh, how do we know it's not a fake? It looks like a fake. Well, one thing we know, you're no fake. You're a genuine idiot. Thank you. I detest cheap sentiments. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello, welcome back. I am Gamer Dude, and this is Storytime. Thanks for finding us again, glad you're back. You know, when I was a kid, as you guys have heard me talk about, there were three major networks, a couple of syndicated stations, and a lot of radio that we listened to. So when um, a sitcom or a television program would do uh, what they called a serious episode. They would always introduce it with this banner that called it a very special episode of Silver Spoons. And it was always a signifier that something big was going to happen, like Ricky Schroeder is offered a joint in this episode of Silver Spoons. So you know that it was, oh, something dramatic, something major, something earth-shattering. Well, earth-shattering for the times. I mean, somebody offered a joint in school these days, that's like every day, isn't it? But back in the day, especially at the height of the Just Say No campaign, we had to have very special episodes of television shows. So this is a very special episode of Storytime. It's more serious than some of the other ones that I've done and some of the other ones that I'll do. But when I started doing the podcast, I told you guys that I wanted to do some serious topics. And I do have some serious topics because of uh, the way that I was brought up, what I experienced growing up. I do want to talk about bullying, for instance, at some point, because I went through a lot of that. And I know I'm not alone with that. I know there's a lot of you who've suffered with that and suffered through that. Uh, So I'm hopeful at some point my tales might help you. But the bullying episode ties into this episode, and this episode, as you can tell from the title, is about me as a fat kid. And um, I don't open up a lot because of what I went through as a kid. You know, I talk, and I'm a friendly guy, and I'm happy to talk about things and share stories and reminisce about the good times, but there are bad times in everybody's life. And being the fat kid was the bad time in my life, and that's that was a period of time that extended for a lot of years. Uh, and one of the things that I wanted to um, share with you was how it affected me, how it made me the kind of person that I am, but also some of the lessons that I learned that maybe you can take and use for your life as well. Now, I'm not trying to be a preacher here. I'm not trying to sermonize for you. I'm not trying to lecture you. I'm just passing on some stories and some information. And if you get some benefit from it, then... I've done my job, and maybe that's a good thing. I'm hoping it is. When I say fat kid, we all know who the fat kid is when we're growing up. He's the kid who's really big, who uh, doesn't quite fit in, who always looks like a heavy guy, and that was me. I know you can tell from, from seeing me on Twitch that I'm not a fat kid anymore, and I'm not really a fat old man, not yet anyway, if I keep eating the way I am, perhaps. Um... But the fact that, I'm a, that, that I was a fat kid will make sure that I never become the fat old man because I grew up with that. So I avoid the possibility of becoming the fat old man. I'm very aware. But I became the fat kid at a young age, and I don't know why. I, you know, I can 
guess. I can speculate as to what happened. Um, we didn't have a lot. My parents were not rich. I'm not a rich man now. My parents were not rich. Um, but what they could afford was a roof over our head and some good cheap food. We had a lot of hamburger and we had a lot of chicken when I was growing up. And while they couldn't reward me with things of a material nature, I was rewarded with food. I remember one, one reward that I received, and I think it was my freshman year in high school. Uh, my parents wanted me to perform in this ensemble. I played trumpet in high school, and I was a good trumpet player and played in the band, but they had this... Um, for lack of a better term, talent show, where each of the groups of musicians in the high school band could put together either a solo performance or a duo or a quartet or any kind of combination of instruments that you wanted to put together. So I get in with uh, three other trumpet players. We did a quartet, uh, and I was very, very nervous about it um, because by high school, I was a nervous wreck. I was the fat kid by then, and I'll tell you about that in a second. But the point of this little vignette is to tell you about the rewards that I would get. I wasn't rewarded with things. I didn't get a new trumpet. I didn't get a new outfit. Um, my parents told me that if I performed in this ensemble, I could have my own pizza with anything on it that I wanted. Now, this was huge because in my family, my dad didn't like spices, didn't like things on his pizza. We had cheese pizza all the time. But I had discovered going to a going to a birthday party early on that there was other things you could put on pizza, you know, like sausage. Ooh, what a concept. Pepperoni, onions. So when they offered to reward me with my own pizza, with anything on it, me being the fat kid, I was like, oh boy, I'm playing in that quartet. And I did. And I got my sausage and onion pizza as a reward. And I got to eat the whole 16 ounce pizza all by myself. Now imagine... Imagine that, a 14-year-old kid sitting down and chowing down on a 16-inch pizza all by himself. And I did, and ate it in one sitting. That was a symptom of what I was going through. Um, but, you know, going, growing up, I would have seconds on dessert. And if there was an extra hamburger, which there always seemed to be, I would have the extra hamburger. And if there was an extra piece of chicken and two helpings of potatoes and snacks between meals. And we didn't have a lot of snacks or you know, potato chips, that was it. There, there weren't Doritos and potato chips and popcorn. It was potato chips or crackers, but I would eat them. And if mom was making cookies, who got to lick the bowl? I did. Who got to lick the beaters? We would share. My brother and sister and I would share, but we would always have the little treats that were available to us. And I took full advantage of them every chance that I could. And that mounted up to a lot of weight on me. I remember certain benchmarks along the way. I was in seventh grade. I was about five foot four. And um, every year we had to go get weighed in the nurse's office. And we had to have our height measured and we, have it, we had to have our weight measured. And this was kept in our permanent record. God knows why they did that, except that's what they did. So we showed up at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year and they measured our height and weight. And so in seventh grade, I was five foot four. And I remember the number, it's, it's burned in my head. It was 184 pounds. 184 pounds on a five foot four kid is a big kid. Um, you can probably imagine what it looked like. You've probably known people like that. That's a lot of weight for a little kid to be carrying around in seventh grade. And uh, I'd worked my way up to 184 pounds. Now, 
I wasn't an inactive kid. I played games and we ran around outside. You heard me talk about games in one of the other episodes. Um, but we did outdoor things too. And I ran around a lot. But when I ran around, rode my bike, did whatever games we were playing, I would come home and eat and eat and eat some more. Um, so that's one of the benchmarks that I remember, the, the seventh grade benchmark. And then the freshman year benchmark is the other one. I was, I grew a whole inch because mom kept telling me I was going to grow. You're going to grow and the weight will spread out and you'll look fine. Cause she was aware that I was aware, but she never said, oh, you're a fat kid. You need to cut back. She never cut me off from anything. She continued to provide me whatever I needed. Uh, in today's terminology, she would probably be considered an enabler because she didn't try to cut me off. But at the time that was mom and she loved me and she just made sure that I was eating well. But I was eating well because in the two years between seventh grade and freshman year in high school, I grew an inch. I was up to 5'5". Five five. And I remember seeing the scale when they weighed me in uh, freshman year. It was 240 pounds on a 5'5 five five kid. That's a fat kid. I'm not going to lie. That's a fat kid. I also remember the size pants that I was wearing. Uh, I had a 44-inch waist. And I remember that because it was shocking to me that... I had a 44-inch waist. I remembered never buying pants that big in my life. I didn't even qualify for the Husky section at Sears anymore. I had to get men's pants in a size 44. And uh, that was a little, little embarrassing for a high school student. What was even more embarrassing in, in that respect was uh, I was in the marching band in my freshman year in high school. And they supplied you with uniforms uh, and, of course, all the uniforms looked the same because that's what marching bands do. Unfortunately, for the five foot five, 240-pound kid, they didn't have pants to fit me. And how embarrassing is that? You go through the rack of pants, and there's nothing that fits you. That's how heavy I was, and that's what I was dealing with all through elementary school and up until high school. And the residuals of being the fat kid, especially when you get to high school, is, is the social aspect of things. I went to uh, a party. I believe it was an eighth grade graduation party. And um, because I'm, in my school system, you had five through eight, and then you graduated from eighth grade, and then you went high school, which was nine through 12. And it was this uh, eighth grade graduation party. And it was the last party that I was invited to uh, in my high school years. And I hadn't even gotten to high school yet. And I remember going to the party and I remember nobody talking to me except one kid who I, I don't remember if he came up to me to talk to me or if I grabbed onto him just so I'd have somebody to talk to. Um, but I remember talking his ear off because I was desperate for somebody to listen to me, to talk to me, to socialize with me. And it was a, um, it was a very difficult thing to deal with. And I was... I was very sad that I had to monopolize this kid's time. And I felt bad for doing it, but I also felt lonely and I also felt scared because, you know, I was there essentially by myself. These were the kids that I went to school with, but, you know, I didn't have close friends. My friends growing up were the neighborhood friends. When I was a kid, we had three or four houses near us and there was three or four kids in each of the houses and those were my quote-unquote friends those are the kids we hung out with the ones I played board games with the ones we played kickball with and it was all neighborhood stuff when you went to school there was a lot more kids none of whom lived near me and none of whom wanted to hang out with me or spend time with me 
And uh, I got invited to this party because everybody got invited to this party. And to this day, I remember that party because to this day, I feel bad for talking that guy's ear off. The point of that is I remember the kid. I remember what he looks like. I remember the name and I remember the look in his eye. It was one of those, oh my God, he really, he really doesn't want to be talking to me. I learned to pick up on that cue <laughs> because, you know, when you're, when you're not a very social person and you're put in a social setting and you see people reacting to you in a way that suggests that they don't want to be there, you pick up on that. So I picked up on that cue at that party. And as the fat kid, I didn't get invited to anything else. I didn't have a lot of friends. You know, I was in the band and I knew people in band. And I did the marching band uh, shows on the weekends and the practices after school. And I joined uh, the stage band because music, I loved music then and I love music now. And my mom really wanted me to try to get out there and socialize because she knew that it was an important thing. But she didn't realize that there was nobody to socialize with. There was just nobody. You know, you have those casual conversations at band, in class, but there was just no connection with anybody. Um, I didn't have real friends in high school. I had people who would talk to me in passing or if somebody needed a homework assignment or if somebody was sitting next to me in band. But it was a very uh, lonely an isolating experience to be in high school, especially that freshman year. And um, I came to the realization, in part, that it was because I was the fat kid. And the fat kid thing really hung over my head up to my sophomore year, too, because one of the, uh, one of the things that we had to do in gym class, believe it or not, this was a gym class requirement, uh, we had to do a dancing unit. And it was a social dance segment, whatever you want to call it. And one of the things that we had to do was square dancing. Now, there's two things with being a fat kid that maybe you know and maybe you don't know. The first thing is nobody wants to be your partner. Nobody wants to get stuck with the fat kid as the partner, whether it's square dancing or ballroom dancing or the foxtrot or whatever it was they were teaching us. And they were teaching us all of those things. Nobody wants to be the fat kid's partner. The second thing is, as the fat kid you don't have really good body awareness and body movement. You're clumsy. I was pretty quick on a kickball field. I was pretty quick on a football field. Um, but trying to put my steps in order to do a square dance or a foxtrot, it was beyond my ability to do. And I felt embarrassed and humiliated for the dance unit. Now, sophomore year was the second semester, I'm sorry, the second year that we did dance. We did it freshman year and I somehow struggled through it, but it was excruciating because I knew that nobody wanted to be my partner because they made it clear. People are not subtle in high school. They made it clear that they didn't want to be my partner. And it was like somebody was always stuck with me and I knew that they didn't want to be my partner and I didn't want to be their partner because they didn't want to be my partner. Why would I spend time with somebody who was just aghast at the idea of dancing with a fat kid? So when sophomore year rolled around, I came down with a lot of illnesses so that I wouldn't have to participate in the dance unit. It was, um, it was a very difficult time. And um, the loneliness and the frustration became even stronger that sophomore year. Now, it was early on in the sophomore year that um, I realized how miserable I was. 
Now, I didn't have counseling. There were no therapists. We had guidance counselors in high school, but our guidance counselors were people to help you find your career in college. They weren't therapists. They weren't there to hold your hand. They weren't there to give you um, any kind of conversation that you might need, and they didn't refer you to places. Same with the school nurse. If you if you had a cold, you could go for you know an aspirin, or if you needed to get your height and weight measured, you'd go to the school nurse. Beyond that, there wasn't anybody to talk to. And um, my parents, you don't talk to your parents in high school about things like this because, number one, they don't listen. And number two, you don't think they're going to listen. So even if they are interested in listening, in your head, you don't believe that they're really going to listen. So I didn't go talk to them. I also grew up in a very unique household, which I'll talk about another time. But doctors were not a thing. Therapists were not a thing we wouldn't have gone to a therapist even if I had suggested that I had a problem. But I did have a problem. I had an eating problem. I had a socialized problem, a socialized, a socializing problem. I can't even get the word out. It was a problem socializing with people. I had a very difficult time doing it because nobody wanted to socialize with me. The stuff that was reflected on me from others, I absorbed. And so what I took from what I was seeing out there is nobody wanted to spend time with me. Nobody wanted to talk to me. Nobody wanted to be my friend. Nobody wanted to dance with me. And this is the stuff that was ingrained on me month after month, year after year. So my sophomore year in high school, I was not in a good place. I was very sad and very lonely and very angry. So two things happened in my sophomore year. I had gotten really good grades my freshman year um, and done really well. My sophomore year was my rebellion year because I was angry and I didn't know what to do. So I stopped doing homework. I stopped writing papers. I stopped studying for tests. And uh, as a result of that, uh, my grades just submarined. They They went under the school. You couldn't find my grades. They were so bad. Now, my mother, God bless her heart, she didn't blame me. She blamed the school, and she would be calling up the school all of the time. She'd call the teacher, what is wrong with you? Why why are you grading my son so hard? And she would go down and meet with teachers and go over papers and go over tests. I was never at fault, even though I knew that I was torpedoing myself because I just didn't feel like doing the work, because what the hell difference did it make? That was my thought process. The other thing that happened in sophomore year was the realization that my anger my self-doubt, my self-loathing, I guess, is the best way to put it, all came from the fact that I was a heavy kid. Now, my mom kept preaching to me, you're going to grow, you're going to grow. When you grow, the weight will spread out, you won't be fat. And I would always say, Mom, I'm the fat kid. And she said, you're not fat. You're just, it's just baby fat. It'll stretch out when you get older. Yeah, I had baby fat when I was 15 years old. Mom, it's not baby fat at that point. So I came to the realization that I had to do something. And again, I don't know exactly what the trigger was. I just realized I'd never been unhappier in my life than I was in my sophomore year in high school. And the only thing that I knew that I could fix was how heavy I was. So I decided to try to fix it. I recognized what I was doing. I was sitting around. I was reading books. I was eating two or three hamburgers at a time. I was having two or three desserts. 
and I was wallowing in self-pity. And I don't remember the exact day. I don't remember the exact moment. I don't remember the trigger. But somewhere early in my sophomore year, I decided this is it. This is it. I'm stopping with the food. I'm going to eat just enough, and I'm going to go do something. So what I started doing was, instead of having two hamburgers for dinner, two pieces of chicken, two brownies for dessert, I'd have one hamburger. I'd eat it slowly. My mom, for for all of my life, was preaching, chew your food slowly, 32 bites for every mouthful, and you'll fill up quicker. She was right. I eventually told her she was right. But I ate, I ate more slowly, and I ate less. I cut out the desserts. I just stopped eating the desserts. That was the hardest thing that I had to do was give up desserts because, man, I love dessert. Brownies and cake and ice cream and cookies and licking the bowl and taking the batter off the beater. Oh, those were the glorious things of my childhood, and I loved that. And I said, no, I've got to stop. I don't know why it came to me that I had to stop, but I knew I had to stop. So instead of two bowls of cereal for breakfast, I asked my mom to buy me yogurt. And I would have one container of yogurt for breakfast. On the mornings where I didn't have yogurt, I'd have a small cup of cereal instead of a big bowl of cereal. Just one. And then what I did every single day was run a quarter of a mile. How do I know it's a quarter of a mile? Because I clocked it. I measured it out with footsteps. I did the math. I figured out, okay, how far do I have to go? And I did just a quarter of a mile. Little by little throughout my sophomore year and into my junior year, I just kept this habit up. And by, it was about midway through my junior year, I finally had the courage to go jump on a scale again. Now, this is about a year and a few months after I'd started my self-imposed exercise diet program. And I knew that my clothes were fitting differently. And I also recognized that I was growing. So this weight loss plan that I put into motion happened at the same time that I started to grow. So about midway through my junior year, maybe towards the end of the junior year, when they do the weigh thing again with the nurse, I went to the nurse's office. I was 5'8". I'd grown three inches. And I was down to 180 pounds. I weighed less in my junior year than I did in the seventh grade. I felt good that I'd accomplished that. But the thing is, when you're the fat kid, you're always the fat kid. Everybody knew me as the fat kid. So I was 5'8". By the time my senior year rolled around and they did the height thing at the beginning of senior year, I was up to six feet. I was six feet tall and 180 pounds. I hadn't gained any pounds. I hadn't lost any pounds, but I maintained the lifestyle. So I was six foot tall and 180 pounds by my senior year. Physically, I was in the best shape I'd ever been in my life. I was buying clothes. My waist was down to 34 inches. I'd taken 10 inches off my waist in two years. But you know what I also learned about high school? Is you're always the fat kid. You're always the fat kid. And that self-doubt... That self-loathing, the lack of confidence, the inability to socialize, it stays with you. And those scars that you have from that stay with you. Now, as you get older, you learn how to deal with them. 
And what happened for me was uh, I went away to college. But for the most part, throughout high school, even when I was six feet tall and 180 pounds and looking like, you know, a regular Joe, I was still the fat kid. I still didn't get invited to parties. I didn't go to a graduation party. I didn't go to a graduation dance because everybody still saw me the way they knew me growing up. And that's the kind of thing that stays with you too. But that summer between my senior year and going away to college, um, I thought a lot and I learned a lot. I learned that by going away to a school, I would be creating a whole new me. I would be having a blank slate. Now, I would still be wrestling with those little demons in the back of my head. That little angel who was trying to push me out there was competing like hell with the little devils of self-doubt and self-loathing and lack of confidence. And it was a battle that was going on for years and to this day still goes on to a certain extent. But it all comes from those early years where your expectations are formed, where you deal with the slings and arrows of the people that you grow up with. And it's something that you have to learn to handle as you transition from being a kid and being a teenager and being a young adult into being a full-grown adult. Some people are able to do that. Some people need help doing that. Some people do it on their own. Some people have a combination of help and friends and therapy. But making that transition from being whatever you were as a kid to being an adult is part of the growing up process. It's a hard process, no doubt about it. And whatever you went through as a kid stays with you no matter how old you get. The reason that I wanted to tell these stories about being the fat kid is to convey to you guys that everybody's got a thing. Everybody's dealing with something. Everybody's got a past. And most importantly, no one's alone in that. Whether you were the fat kid or the nerd, whether you're the jock whose peak was in high school, whether you're gay or trans or, or whatever Whatever you are, you do have things to deal with, but you don't have to deal with it alone. You can overcome on your own. You can overcome with help. And you can grow past whatever it is that you're dealing with as a youngster. No one's alone in this world. You're only alone if you let yourself be. If you decide to isolate yourself if you decide to wallow in self-pity, if you decide not to do anything but just say, woe is me for the rest of your life, then yeah, you're going to have a much harder time than if you are able to recognize what the problems are, either in you or in society or in the people that you're hanging with, and then make the changes that you need to make. Whether you can do it on your own or with friends or with help, you can do it. Part of that learning process is learning to trust and accept help. That's a huge step for a lot of people. It's a huge step for me. I don't trust to this day. I don't trust easily. 
because of the things that happened when I was a kid, because of the attitudes that were cast upon me when I was a kid. And you can recognize those attitudes. No matter what your thing is, you recognize when people are looking at you in that way. So learning to trust people is a difficult transition. But as you get older, and as you get wiser, and as you get more experienced in dealing with people, the ability to discern who you can trust and who you can't trust, who you should trust, who you shouldn't trust, and when to trust, becomes easier to figure out. So anyway, I want to thank you for listening to this episode. I wanted to share it with you because I, I do share with you guys, and I also have experiences that I hope are beneficial to you that will help you get through your days that will make you realize you're not alone and that make you realize that people of all ages, all sizes, all shapes, all colors, all persuasions, we're all dealing with something. And if you can reach out and help somebody, if you can be there for somebody, if you can change your attitude to somebody who you think you know is that way, you can make a difference in their lives and your lives without ever even knowing it. I hope this is making a difference for you. It has made a difference for me. It, it's been nice to talk about this. And I really would like to hear what you think about this episode. And if you'd like to share your experiences, if you need to reach out, you can do that. That's one of the things that I love about this podcast. You can reach out for me on Twitter. You can follow me at ReallyGamerDude. You can message me on Twitch if you follow me there. But however you'd like to reach out, if you want to talk, I know the importance of that. And so I'm happy to listen. And I'm happy that you listened this far. Thank you very much. We'll be back again with another story, or two, or five. Thanks for being here, and I'll see you when I see you.